I'm here with my good friend Eric Chang. He recently graduated and will be attending Rice University this following fall, majoring in biochemistry. He is smart, loves to discuss current events, and is unafraid to share his valuable opinions and experiences. I've known him for over 10 years, and I always admire his breadth and depth in terms of his knowledge, and I'm excited to talk with him on this episode. So before we begin, brace yourself for a good discussion on many current events and controversial topics. As we dive into COVID vaccinations, China's pressure on Taiwan, Zionism, cryptocurrency, college admissions, and much more. What have you been doing this past two weeks? I've been wasting away. I haven't been doing much. Locked indoors. We had a lot of plans before of like going out with all the seniors. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I guess all the grads now. Um, and we're going to like knock ourselves out, basically. out. <laughs> um, okay. There was a lot of plans about like going on road trips. Um, mm-hmm. this, I guess like listeners might not know, but like we plan on went, going back to G-Bay too. That was yeah, we actually true. supposed to be there right now. <laughs> oh really i thought it was only three days wasn't it monday tuesday and now nah, we were like a few uh ricky and i and like a few others were planning to stay maybe a week oh um, do you know how's the COVID? do you know if there's covid like in Penghu or in like- uh yes it is in Penghu, but not on gbay some idiot from taipei went to Penghu. i yeah, think that's- like mid-may or something mm-hmm. so it is what- not looking too hot what are your thoughts? Do you think the situation will settle down before August or before we go to go to school? Yeah, I think because like, see, here's the issue. Okay, the majority of people are staying home, right? Which is good, mm-hmm. but there are a few idiots out and about on the streets. Like, I know a few idiots out and about on the streets. Not right now, right now, but like, uh-huh. they've been out. Well, and that poss- like well, possibly mm-hmm. because like you, you you took the vaccine, right? Not yet. Well, there's a lot of people at least in our school who took the vaccine already. So I guess for they're not as scared of going out, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand a lot of like, the the problem here is that like mm-hmm. what people don't realize about vaccines and like masks in general is that you're not invincible. Mm-hmm. The vaccine just promises you won't die. Well, correction for. <laughs> It's like uh, you are unlikely to die, yeah, right. unlikely to exist to exhibit like severe symptoms, but you are still infected. You can still be infected, and you can still be infectious, mm-hmm. which means that even though you might just be coughing a little bit or like have a slight fever, you can still spread it to people that don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then so the same with masks. Masks limits your chance, but then like we know that the particle size of like a COVID virus is like it fits Extremely through an angel coat out. Yeah, yeah, it fits through N95. So like you ain't invincible. It just decreases your chances. It's a game of probability. Well, did you read uh, Fauci's emails? Those emails about how like he was talking about how uh, masks don't work in his emails, but publicly he's saying that it does work. So does a mask even work? That's because all the news, or at least in Taiwan, are saying masks are like super important, but Fauci basically said in his email that masks are basically useless. See, so there's like, there's a few, few, I don't, I haven't read those emails. I'll be like clear mm-hmm. right now. I haven't read those emails, but like, there's a few things like, one is that like social distancing, like doesn't work. Okay. This is clear. This is clear science on this, that social distancing doesn't work, you know? Wait, why? What's... Because if you distance yourself, the virus is harder to 
I can spit at you, right? And then the virus still flies in the air and it hits I guess. you. Mm-hmm. Um, like the size of the particles is mm-hmm. certainly true that they can fit through. But then there is like the additional factor. Again, this is a high school graduate that hasn't even been to college yet saying. Mm-hmm. Um it's okay. The size of the particle, the, even though they can't fit in, uh, because like it's just like surface area, you know, you create mm-hmm. a greater wall. Um, albeit it's like it's like a massive net. It's like a net with massive holes in like if you in in comparison to the like virus, but like it's still kind of a net, you know. And then there's like the moisture aspect. Um, but regardless, the best thing people can do is just stay the hell at home. Mm-hmm. Which people aren't doing. Well, I've been doing that. I well, possibly because I don't. It's probably because there's nowhere to go where I live. I live kind of in a rural place, in the middle of nowhere. So I don't really have any options to go anywhere. But I've been saying like, since since summer since summer started, I've gone to school once to return the books, and then I mm-hmm. went to seven twice, and that's that's it. It's it's I so. Feel that. I feel that. <laughs> Well, you live it. You live in Taichung, so it's very busy yeah. right there. So have you gone out? I've, I've only exited the house twice. Oh, like I, I went, mm-hmm. I went Wednesday. I like just like I got. I was like, I can't be stuck inside anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So I took a drive down to Sunwoo Lake, and then like I left the car door <laughs> for two minutes to look at like there's like wow there's actually water now to a certain degree. It's still like fifty percent, but like the beach no longer exists. Like you can still see the orange, like, um, mm-hmm. lake bank. I guess is what you would call it. Lake mm-hmm. edges from underneath a tree, but like there's water now. Um, and then I did that. I went to the bathroom, but I just drove back. That was like a five-hour journey <laughs> on your own. Well, I went to Summon Lake like two months ago, and it was like right where the drought started, and the the piers were like so high, and then the the, the banks were so low. At the same, so, it's like like twenty meters. <laughs> I didn't know there was a white sand beach there was a, in Sun Moon Lake. It was ridiculous. I saw pictures like the mm-hmm. riverbanks were like so receded you could see white sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ridiculous. And like the, the I went out yesterday to get my teeth fixed. But it's because mm-hmm. my parents are dentists, so it's like a home operation. And then like yeah. It was just like we saw no one, everybody was masked up, like a Joe masked up, not just like medical mm-hmm. mask, but like an NGO, like an N95. It was like super Dude, that was, was kind of hard to breathe in. So I was like there. But other than that, I just been at home. Mm-hmm. Well, people are, there's a lot of Karens. I've realized that. I never realized that there were that many Karens in Taiwan because one, because I was, I'm so bored right now. So now I just have to work out. So I was going outside. I was, because um, where I live, there's like a, it's like a community of houses. So it's this, and then in the middle, there's like a patio or whatever. And then there's essentially no one, right? So I was going out. I was doing my jump ropes, just you know, just working out, and then I had my mask on, but not over my nose. And then, like Karen's came out and told me to wear my mask properly. I was a little surprised because one, I was like, okay, social distancing, right? So as long as there weren't like other people visibly around me, and I had my mask on at least. But you know, it's part of the rules, so you kind of have to follow. I think it's kind of weird because they're not like typically what you think of what Karens are. You know, they're like stickler for rules, sure. 
which is usually the opposite of Karen. Karen's usually like at least in America, Karens are those that don't follow the rules. Okay, I, I guess so. It's the opposite. It's yeah. like the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like to a certain like they like it's just a stressful time for everybody, you know. Yeah. Like, some dude the other day he called me because he got because he was out at midnight, right? It was like mm-hmm. okay, it wasn't midnight. It was like ten p.m. and then he was come back on a bike ride. He ran a red light and then and then, and then he was like he was like. Yo, Eric, I got pulled over by cops, man. It was on a bicycle, but still. But still, it was, it was like, I got pulled over by a cop, man. I'm like, and the first thing, the only thing that came into my head was like, what the heck are you doing outside? I've been stuck inside for like three weeks now, nearly a month. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's like two weeks. Now that I actually look at the calendar, two or three mm-hmm. weeks. And then it's like, this dude be out and about. Mm-hmm. It's triggered me all the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. You know, so that's why people are like, they're reactive. They're like, wear your damn mask properly. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, you should be wearing your damn mask properly. Well, yeah, I guess. But if you're sweating, like, people say, oh, you should wear a mask and then run. But still, like, you should, tr- like, yeah. people should try that. Because imagine, like, sweating. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like, especially yeah. when you sweat and then the water goes into your mask. You can hardly breathe at all. This is why I don't exercise anymore. Yeah. Well, I think... Would you say that you're taking like the like the quarantine and then self lockdown more seriously? Because I would say you're taking it like on the like very seriously. Because I'm taking it like chill. I just don't have any reason to go out. That's why I'm not going out. But if I do have the option, I would go out like maybe more often. I mean, like yeah, I kind of hope everybody takes like a part of me wishes we go to level four. Like the only reason that I hope that like it shouldn't happen is because it would collapse the economy and everything will go to hell. But like, mm-hmm. I just kind of hope because the problem is like if we get infectious rate infection rates down and it will be good. You know, if everybody just like this moment, I I click my fingers, everybody stays home. Okay, those that will die will die because you know like they go to hospital won't <laughs> yeah. actually be of any help. I, that's actually another thing I'm gonna talk about later. But like, if people just stay home. Right, and mm-hmm. then the infectious rates go down. We can be out of this in two weeks. Cause like, yeah, yeah, the idea is the cycle like, runs out. I, I, it makes sense. So the idea is everyone stays home, fourteen days on their own. No one interacts with anyone. So whoever has the COVID symptoms or has a COVID, uh, will experience the symptoms or experience the consequences, and then they can go to the hospital. And whoever is yeah. left after the fourteen days will be free. Well, yeah. but that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of optimistic. That's that's like best case scenario, but still, you still hear cases where people uh, got tested or uh, in the states, and then they come to Taiwan, and then for some reason they started to have COVID, or um, after two weeks and they they redevelop COVID. There's a lot of different cases, so it's really hard. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Um, the problem is actually news agencies aren't very educated in Taiwan. Okay, well, at least as of as of June 13th, 2021, um, <laughs> and in regards to COVID, I got to put a lot of disclaimers until like 40 years, somebody pulls this crap out on me and be like, well, you said, um, as of now, like news agencies aren't very educated on a lot of things. So, which is actually kind of like absurd because that's why everybody's like, every time people see the news, they are shocked, even though they should not be. Like mm-hmm. when they hear like they're like these numbers of like sixty people died, what it seems like, oh my gosh, that's so horrifying. But like, yes, it is horrifying in terms of like something tragic happened, but it should not be a surprise because it fits all the known patterns of COVID. Mm-hmm. If you have a chronic disease such as diabetes, 
mm-hmm. or like you're older, um, which you're, just makes you more chronically like you just have a weaker immune system. So yeah, you're, you're like, more susceptible, more susceptible to, to COVID. Yeah, and you're like likely to die, which is like no 30 year old without a chronic disease has died of COVID in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, that's like young people don't haven't died from COVID in Taiwan if they don't have a chronic disease, unlike that one guy who has like, yeah, the blood thing who had di- diabetes. Yeah. He had a, he had blood clot, but like, yeah. that's cause he had diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. well that's related. Um, so it's like, you shouldn't be that horrified, but like, it's more of like, you can't go outside. I just want to solve that right now. Cause like I've, I've been getting mad cabin fever. Oh yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing is, there's uh, people, at least from what I hear, there's a lot of people who, who think, like, like you said, you know, COVID, COVID is like the news is trying to make COVID more serious than it is because people who got COVID, at least I know a few people who got COVID, who are like, as you said, like 20 years old, no chronic disease or nothing, no, no disease or no prior history, medical history. They're, they're, they're totally fine. They get fever. They get um, body aches, and then after a few days, they're fine. Yeah, it's a spectrum because you know obviously affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, I said the news makes it seem they're not educated as, and they don't have like all the they can't they don't explain to you that this should be expected. But it's like I want to make this very clear that it's like it is serious because it's put an entire country on lockdown. Like, um. Which is like mid to small level businesses, which is like primary business of Taiwan. They're like dying. Because yeah. a lot of ours is like service-based. Now mm-hmm. you just took a lot of the services out. I know Taipei is really screwed because their mayor has this awesome idea of like, oh, we're gonna by stopping people outside, we're gonna like we're gonna put like a 30 minute a 30 second timer on their traffic lights onto the highway instead of like the usual five, which doesn't actually limit it limits who goes home just just makes it very slow mm-hmm. and it creates like a bunch of traffic jams which is like a lot of the frozen foods that are shipped up to type uh, to taipei are like completely spoiled because of like how ridiculously clogged it is now it just yeah none of a lot of things a lot of policies don't make a whole lot of sense um but what does make sense is that people should stay home and the news is certainly right about that you know their mm-hmm. strategy of scaring you is maybe not the best. Yeah. But like at this point, we're just trying anything we can to get people to stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now that's, you know, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Now let's talk about the vaccine. Cause that's also a, a big issue too. Cause the reason why it's dragging on this long, it's because t- Taiwan, even though they had like a, essentially a year of COVID free while the U S and other countries around the world suffered, we're basically pretty much didn't do, do much. And then for some reason, for circumstances and new cases, um, Taiwan suddenly erupted with new cases and then now we're in lockdown. So now, now we're developing our own vaccine. So what are your thoughts on that? So see, so part of this is actually political propaganda from KMT. They've been spewing a lot of crap and, and the DPP is too stupid to answer them. Um, so here, here's what's up. Okay, so there's there's a there's a vaccine called Galduan email. Um, there's two, it's right? Been in, well, I don't know what the second one is. The second uh-huh. one is the one that when people say like we're developing one now, they're talking about the second one. Okay, uh-huh. the first one, Galduan email, that has been in development since May of 2020. Mm. Okay, so they been since, okay, so 
Okay, so they were they've been working on it. It's not they didn't just start. Yeah, no, that okay. like it's I think I think the one that's like just start the, the just start quote unquote is something new. Uh, I haven't checked mm-hmm. uh, because I try to avoid looking at news these days because it's kind of driving me nuts. Every day is the same thing about like these people got infected here and then this mm-hmm. this many people died and then these people are freaking out and these yeah. people broke quarantine. But that's that's neither here nor there. Like back to the vaccines is that like. The problem of like why we have why we have an epidemic in Ta- we have an epidemic in Taiwan right now is not because we don't have a vaccine. It's because the the because um the infectious disease center has not like properly developed a method of like in case we have an epidemic, what do we do? Which is like the quite done. You know, they haven't like seriously prepared for that. Um mm. they haven't developed a proper plan. Like they're just now scrambling for a plan. Which mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense because it was only a matter of time before you know this happened since. Which they should have started, like yeah, which they should have started. They should have had a plan we, in place. Yeah, as, we, as yeah. soon as we contained it, and at least like allowing vaccines to come to Taiwan, like at least sure. a few, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. So here's the second thing I want to talk about: delaying uh, vaccines. So the reason why the vaccine. So I told you, like, it's been in development. The Galdua has been in development since May 2020, right? Um, yeah. Moderna, Moderna, actually most other vaccines started around that time, maybe a little earlier, maybe mm-hmm. like a month, two, three months earlier. I don't know, which is like, I guess this is a lot of time in terms of like um, disease, but obviously it wasn't as bad here in Taiwan. So, you know, we had different pressures. The thing is different is that we, most other, Moderna, AZ, Pfizer, whatever, all that crap, those, um, AstraZeneca, sorry, they didn't go through phase three testing. They got released for public consumption after phase two t- testing because it was a dire situation because it was Moderna a global and pandemic. Pfizer as well, and it, yeah, all of them. Oh, well, I think I think Moderna may have gone through. Uh, no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. I don't. I think their preliminary results came out in like December twenty twenty. Mm. Um, but I think they started giving it out earlier. But like, I don't. AstraZeneca certainly did not. Yeah. Um, which is like the reason is because it was like desperate times called for desperate measures you know phase three is usually the industry standard for all new vaccines right yeah and that's why it takes a longer time for you to push one out but that's why it was significantly faster because they just rushed it out not rushed it that's not correct because they they still i'm not saying that they didn't put the same effort but like they released it at an earlier stage Mm -hmm. um that is not the case for Galdwin email because we obviously didn't have that pressure so we wanted to like be more certain of the science you do more testing the more testing you do the the more certain you can be of the future, maybe not certain because you know you never know what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that's why it's like taking a long, t- taking a while to get it released. And obviously, like Taiwan didn't have a big rush on that because we're like, there's okay. other alternatives existing now. You know, we don't have to use this one. This is not a, like a life or death. This is not as immediate as other because like, if we don't use our own, there are still other existing alternatives. Well, that's also an issue that Taiwan's facing because. Um, on one hand, the vaccines that are coming in are, are kind of the process is very slow, and the well, the number of vaccines that Taiwan's willing to buy are is limited. And I think they've yeah. they put a lot of emphasis on trying to uh, promote the Taiwanese vaccine, which it's still in phase two, right? No, no, it just passed phase two, and yeah. I, I don't think they're going undergoing phase three. I think um, July July is when Galdwin is going to come out. I think, I think last I checked, well, I guess, at least this is my dad told me, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but, um, yes. Well, so for it, from your standpoint, so you're going to stay in Taiwan until it's the end of summer. So if you have two choices, you can take AZ, AstraZeneca, which is 
um, as a lot of people have already taken it and um, success rate is not as high, but there's a, but the risk is there's a small amount of risk, but it's generally successful and millions of people have already used it. And then there's a Taiwanese vaccine. There's the Gaudan. So which one would you choose? Because if it's me, I'll, I'll, I would choose AZ because just to be safe, you know, well, safer, I would say. Yeah, I understand that. Well, so here, here's what's actually going to happen, okay? I'm not taking any COVID vaccine except Moderna, you know? Okay. <laughs> that means, like, not taking it. Like, because I'm, uh, I'm flying. Uh, my school starts, like, August 15th. Uh, uh-huh. I have orientation week then. So, like, after, like, I have to get vaccinated before I go to school, which would probably mean, like, I'll get, I either do it here or, like, I'll get, I'll fly to the States early and then just find a place to crash for a while mm-hmm. to get Moderna. Um, but, like, I'm not taking AZ and, like, I'm not going to be around for Galdon to get around. Um, mm-hmm. The reason is because, you know, number one, it's like just scale, right? Moderna has 98% uh, protection rate against the original strain. And then I think it still has an 80% against the Indian strain, which is like currently the most deadly strain. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's infection rates are like four or five times the England strain, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot worse than it's, any of the others. And well, it's a lot more infections, but not as deadly because the variants become more infectious to survive, but they're... Uh, they're, they're less deadly because uh, more it's easier to spread and more people can contain it. See, see, like in theory, that's how that works. But I think, I think it's mm-hmm. like more infectious and more deadly. Oh. That's what I remember um, hearing. That's may not be correct, but regardless, mm-hmm. it's just like in terms of protection rates, Moderna is like 80, like it's good down from 80, 98 to 80 percent when it comes to the Indian strain. But you know, okay. it's better than any of the others because, like, yeah, at I least think, it protects um, like the yeah, Indian strain as well. AstraZeneca turns into like 60 percent, I think, which mm. is like absurdly low um, for such a deadly virus. I mean, yes, for like flu vaccines, you know, they only have like 60 percent or like 40 percent, but like, you know, you don't, it's less likely to die from a flu. But that's like, I guess, a little tangent. Um, in terms of like, the, the biggest concern I have is because it was these vaccines are released early. Mm-hmm. There is limited testing that has occurred. Mm-hmm. And then it's like what happens eight years down the line. Because the difference between us and like the people that are dying, that the most people, the majority of people that are dying yeah. from COVID is that we are only 18, 17, 16, 20, mm-hmm. under 30. We're the under 30 group. Age yeah. group, you know we have to consider the future whereas they and then we may not die from this if we get it like most likely mm-hmm. if we get it the worst is probably decreased lung function mm-hmm. which is a big deal you know that means that like, you're susceptible so, to everything don't yeah but like it's not death mm-hmm. unlike for the 60 year olds like if they don't take it they're just probably dead yeah you know, they don't get it considered the future but we get it considered the future the risk is so high that they'll, they'll be willing to take the the az vaccine yeah, because you know it's a it's 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 cost benefit analysis. You know they don't have the time frame to consider like the future because the probability outweighs everything. Probability and out with magnitude. Yeah, outweighs or everything. even just people who work in the front lines or yeah, yeah, are constantly exactly. interacting with other people. It makes yeah, sense but, to take it. Mm-hmm. But for us, we have we actually need to weigh the options. They don't get to weigh the options because they just need to get something in them fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to weigh the options because we might be affected by like the side effects that no one knows about eight years down the line, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why like 
I choose to take the most conservative vaccine, which like is a privilege being like, I'm relatively safe. And mm-hmm. then like, um, I'm younger too. And also I actually get to consider eight years down the line. These most other people do, but that doesn't change the validity of the argument that like, I should be considering what is the safest alternative for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you don't want, there's no reason to take that risk if you can in one, yeah. just wait two more weeks or wait three more weeks and go to the States to take the Moderna vaccine, which is significantly safer. Though there's been a few cases that say that people that are under 18 who take the Moderna vaccine are susceptible to some sort of some blood, blood disease or blood, blood clotting. Um, blood yeah, clotting it's, yeah. it's still like, it's like one in 40 million, one in 4 million or something, or one yeah. in like 0.4 million, it's somewhere in the, like 0. From 0. the 40 to the 0.4. Mm-hmm. um million range um so yeah there's that um i do know that the moderna side effects after you get the reaction is not side well i guess side effects after taking the vaccine is really strong it's like the strongest of them all so yeah. that's not gonna be fun um but yes but I, I was just talking to harry about this and he said the first dose of the vaccine there was no no side effects and then the second dose of the vaccine he he basically had a really high fever and then for an entire day, body, body aches as well. But aside from that, that was pretty much nothing, not, no other side effects. So yeah, it's, it varies for a lot of people because mm-hmm. same as AZ, there's people who taken the AZ vaccine and didn't experience any other side, other side effects, especially guys. But then for yeah. the females, there's a lot of, I would say fevers, that sort of side effects. Yeah. There was one classmate. Um, it was, <laughs> It was actually during JSB. Um, they didn't go to JSB because they actually just got the vaccine earlier, um, mm-hmm. like the day before. She she passed out. Like she just kept passing in and out of consciousness for like uh-huh. the entire day after she got AstraZeneca. She after got that, she just like started passing in and out of existence. And then she like actually passed out mid standing, just fell down and like got a huge bruise on her head. <laughs> so well, how like, much? Of, how much of this is? Because uh, I think maybe, maybe it's a placebo effect. You know. People have been saying, oh, the AZ vaccine is the side effects, or there's headaches, there's fever. And then you're so so nervous about taking this AZ vaccine because the news is constantly saying the AZ vaccine is not as good. You should wait, you should wait. And then you take it, and then your mind just, you know, blacks out. Nah, bro, this ain't placebo <laughs> because, like, we have actual, like, this. Th- these side effects were known since testing. Okay. And it's like, this is actual science. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how much placebo plays an effect. Well, yeah, that's true, but okay. So, so your plans are to go to this to go to the states and take the vaccine. If and, I can't get Moderna on Taiwan, yeah, which is looking like it probably can't. Yeah, that's it's gonna roll out until like, yeah. There's some issues with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. Oh, did you hear about how uh, the the China the China how China is trying to the block the uh, the Pfizer vaccines or they're not blocking it, but they're essentially saying. If you want the Pfizer vaccines or Moderna vaccines, you have to get it from us. You know, you can sign okay. the contracts in, mm-hmm. in, in our headquarters in Germany, whatever. But if you want the vaccines, uh, we will be with the ones that are going to you. So here, that, this is, and the BNC is actually a good point of, so there's two things, right? So China's trying to give, give Taiwan vaccines, but they're trying to give us like the OG ones, um, like, like the, the, the first vaccines, which, are, which aren't mRNA vaccine, but like more traditional, like, um, are you talking about the Pfizer ones or the, there's two. So there's like, they try, I think they're called, ret- no, they're not called retrovirus. Are they, they're like the weakened viruses. Um, 
that's the original one that China like quickly manufactured when Wuhan was still kind of dying. Mm-hmm. Um, now they also have BNT. So the so BioNTech is a German company, yeah. um, German bio bio and tech company. Um, um, so they collaborated with with um, with China in terms of like manufacturing. So they there is like I think it's called B1 or P1, whatever. It's a B1 and B2 testing, right? The B2 batch was manufactured in Germany. The B1 batch is manufactured in China. The B2 batch is the one that is highly successful in like doing pretty well in like Europe and um and in uh and in the states. Mm-hmm. The B1 vaccine it got cut and I think trial one or trial two. The question right now is like we don't know if the one the 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 Pfizer vaccine China's like saying they they're gonna donate to Taiwan. Is it B1 or B2? Because mm. B1 doesn't work. I see. Because from what I understood, it was I thought I thought main issue was the political geopolitical standpoint. As in, if they donate to Taiwan, it's a sign of weakness. Or uh, if they donate to it, it just, for from what I think I read read somewhere where the destination would be uh, Taiwan Republic or like province of China or something like that. And I think that was one of the other concerns too. I mean, yeah, of course, that's what China's going to do. Um... They actually do very want you to donate. They, what what China's trying to do is that they're trying to donate with the attached name. So they're actually wanting to donate, but that's in order so they could put the province of China thing on. Like after Japan just gave us um like I think six million doses. Yeah, two point. See, I'm, I'm having trouble 2. with like the 6, actual maybe. units. Yeah, two point six. Yeah, actually, like yeah that, probably or... yeah two point six. I think two point six. Some uh, is it two one million. or a million. Yeah, two one million. Of, yeah. Whatever. They give us a bunch of vaccines and they get vaccines because Japanese people don't like vaccines, or at least statistically speaking. Yeah, that's um, another issue too, the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but they gave it to Taiwan and they referred to Taiwan as a country because it's like the, the country of Taiwan or something. And then that pissed off China. And then yeah. Japan's like, I don't <laughs> care. Um, like these type of things. Um, it's, it's one, I saw something really funny. It was like, is it, it's a new form of tongzan, but tong is like a stabbing in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Dao, that type of Tong Zan. So that was, that was kind of, that was good. But that's very much, that was funny, but that was very much like the sentiment I'm getting. Um, <laughs> you know, because the, the main strategy of China is they need to like undo the mess of the 2020 election, which was what that like, there was very strong anti Chinese sentiment in Taiwan. And they're trying to like roll that back. That's what mm. the PRC is trying to do, um, which they're seeking to do with this um, gifting of the vaccine. Um, which is working actually on well, actually, you say working, but it's all it's it's working on people that are like, um, already not too against China. Like well, I, was, I know I yeah. know of a few people that are that are just like, because it's playing off of propaganda and misinformation that the KMT is distributing in Taiwan in terms of like, <laughs> did you read in that? terms of like yeah, it's it's ridiculous because the tweet right, the you know tweet was kind like, of people the tweet that was are like outrageous. Yeah. So there are, there are <laughs> claims that don't make sense. Obviously, some things make sense. They should have the the like infectious disease center should have, well, direct the command center should have like had a plan in place for like testing. They should have developed that. Like yes, that is valid. But they mix that in with like invalid claims as, as in like the infectious disease center is blocking you from ordering vaccines, which doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. like the other the vaccine production companies have already stated that they only negotiate with countries and not with private businesses. They only mm. like they won't even negotiate with local government. They'll only discuss with, on the national level. <laughs> so like even if they wanted to, they can't buy the vaccines. Yeah. 
that's yeah things like that so it's like mixed in with a lot of like false information um so which is like the source mm-hmm. of a lot of this confusion and why there are some that are like starting to believe that like um this yeah, narrative I'll, of like China yeah, it's definitely the news is definitely really powerful because i was just i was reading an article recently and it was saying how um because china's offering vaccines right they're in, in, um, they're offering to donate as vaccines, the Pfizer ones, as you mentioned. And then they're also um, allowing Chinese or Taiwanese citizens to come to China to take the vaccine mm-hmm. as well. But they're mm-hmm. providing, they're not providing the Moderna and Pfizer. They're providing the, the Chinese made the Sinovac, yeah. that, that one. I was reading an article yeah. and it was saying how over 69,000 Taiwanese citizens have already gone over there to get that, yeah. that injection. It's... I guess that's what you have to do when you're desperate. Which is yeah, you know it's you know when when the central government looks kind of crap and the local government looks kind of crap, you do what you want to do. Um, and mm-hmm. these people obviously believe in the validity of the Sinovac, which I will say, Sinovac is not an mRNA vaccine, so it's like the the traditional type, like the weakened virus. They give it back to you. Um, they give you a weakened version so you can build immune immunity which has less side effects. The problem is that it only works against the origin of Wuhan strain. It's not going to work against the Indian strain or the UK strain. Oh. Yeah. People said that the Sinovac vaccine was developed um, around the time when uh, the Wuhan virus came out. Yeah, because that, that, that's like, that's what I was talking about. China, like China developed their own vaccines. And then that's, yeah, because they're not, because it was so like, in a state of emergency, they didn't have time to like be making up this all fancy mRNA crap. They're just like, okay, we have we have a crap ton of samples of the virus. Let's weaken them and then just shoot them back into people. <laughs> yeah, which is standard policy, but you know. Well, are you certain that it came from a, a lab? I don't think it really matters. Um, if it's a bioweapon, I doubt they will inject their own people. If like it is possible that it was messed around in the lab but like you know it's 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 annoying because the big part of what people in taiwan don't realize is that yes we have we're like we're very acutely aware of chinese propaganda like we maybe mm-hmm. not where it is but we are acutely aware that it exists but what mm-hmm. we don't realize is there's a lot of western propaganda yeah for sure that tries to demonize china and just like the general orient in the east um, mm-hmm. In general, because, you know, Western dominance is Western superior, like, supremacy. Or at least that's what they're trying to go for. Um, so there's, it's just like, you know, it's hard to sort out truths and lies. So when, when, the, when the UK spy agency was like, it is high likelihood that it came from a oh, yeah, lab. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I just kind of want evidence, you know? <laughs> yeah, we sort of just take it. A- take it as it is we don't really question it but when it comes from china or other sources like that we we question it a lot well i think one of the main yeah one of the main mm -hmm, one of the main reasons that uh that uh that at least for the westerners and taiwanese are like responding in this way it's probably it's it's well the i feel like the main reason is because we feel the pressure that china's like the pressure that china is like giving off you know China is like basically controlling uh, the states. They're controlling Hollywood. They're controlling every aspect of. They're controlling the technology. They're controlling. I was I was watching a a Johnny Harris video, and 
it's talking about how uh so in africa right so mm-hmm. in ta- taiwan used to have a lot of like quote-unquote friends in in africa yeah we bought and, a lot of allies yeah and then as of now as of 2021 there's we have zero except for swaziland but and the main reason is because china basically outbid us in in like all the countries in africa yeah and it was saying how uh they were building they were building a a, a center yeah a, well, a center for in kenya or something and then yeah they, they offered to build like a ministry and all that for african affairs and all that and they were conducting like meetings as well and they, they realized that china china put uh bugs in there <laughs> in the building that they built and then they were also putting microphones in there and then uh and then basically at the african community was like oh by the way china uh i think you put some bugs in our system and then china was like oh oh did we and then they were like oh maybe we should fix it for you <laughs> and africa was like oh no it's okay we can fix it fix it ourselves but the point i was trying to make is um i think the main reason why uh americans and people around the world are demonizing china it's part of the reason is because there's a lot of humanitarian issues that, that are occurring in china but i think the primary issue is because we're starting to realize that china is extremely powerful and I mean, yeah, US, it's certainly true. The U.S. Yeah. may not be as like powerful or invincible as they used to be. So the thing is, it's very much about narrative control, which is how politics works. So people don't realize that like the primary job of the CIA, actually, well, sorry, I think I read some, read like um, the United States, some ex-FBI agent, I think it's FBI or CIA, I don't know. One of them, they said that like since 20, since 2001, United States has been involved in like I think like hundreds of coups and like destabilizing millions of governments. Like this happened in Chile too. This is like of course 1900s, but like they destabilized Alen, Alen. I can't pronounce her name. A L E N E. And then they put in place a, a dictator. Like the current dictator that runs Chile was American sponsored. Um, mm. And the same could be said like Iraq's problems today is after like the u.s went in and they put it in place so it's yeah. obviously not to say that like china is better than u.s u.s better than china because i think this argument's ridiculous because like once a lot of things that people don't realize is that there's usually not a good guy when it comes to politics there's just different bad guys mm. and then so us as people we just have to realize that like everybody around us is sus and then just try to do your best to live your life mm-hmm. and question everything because if it's true it will prove to be true you know, mm-hmm. and if it's false, you know, maybe you'll still end up believing it, but at least like you've kept an eye out and try to limit that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you heard about this, but uh, oh, recently or uh, like last few weeks, John Cena was, was doing an interview with Taiwanese broadcast. And he was saying how, oh, because there's a new Fast and Furious, music, Fast and Furious mm-hmm. movie. And he, and in the interview, he was like, oh, Taiwan will be the first country to to see the Fast and Furious Nine movie, and then uh, he got a lot of hate from China, and then uh, a few weeks ago, a few days ago, he was he posted a video to apologize to to China, and and then he was like, "Oh, I'm super sorry. I made a mistake," and it was just it's capitalism. Yeah, it's you know, mm-hmm. 
Well, the thing about That's this, the, yeah, the thing yeah. about this is, uh, they was they were doing like an analysis on why did John Cena do this, right? And then it's, it was saying how, uh, like you said, capitalism. It's so like the the money the money is it's money talks, you know. In China, well, at at least for the Fast and Furious Nine movie, in the first week of its like launch, it was like one hundred sixty million or something, and then. 130 million around approximately 130 million of the revenue came from china so we can you can imagine how powerful it is yeah so it's just like you know you control the market shares therefore you do it which is it shouldn't be the way it is but it is the way it is so that's why i like um mm-hmm. k-pop well korean television is no longer out no longer allowed to raise the taiwan flag that's why we're called chinese taipei in any sports competition that's why i think two years ago we were banned from a um, sports competition. We were born, born, banned from a competition in Malaysia, like an esports competition. I think it was League of Legends, maybe, or Overwatch, one of them, too. We were banned from it because, you know, we, because it's like Taiwan's not a country, you know? This is just, you know, when you control the revenue streams, which China does, you don't get to do much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, have to, I do have to say how you would, you would, you would think that. Uh, there's a lot of animosity coming from the Chinese people, but like I was watching a video and they were interviewing like random people in China and they were like, what are your thoughts on Taiwan? And it was surprising because if you interview people in Taiwan, you always, the majority of them would be like, would be, would show a sense of animosity toward China. But you, you interview Chinese people in China, they're like so positive. I was like, Oh my goodness, what's going like, on? Yeah, they're just visiting to them. It's like visiting a province, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Cause, like, they don't care about politics. Well, it, because it doesn't affect them. But, like, this affects us. But, like, China, Taiwan is a country or not. That doesn't affect them. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I was, as you said, it doesn't affect them. So why the heck does, what, does China want to get Tibet? Why does China want to get Hong Kong? Why does China want to get, uh, want to get Taiwan? Taiwan. Yeah. Well, what's what's the motive? It's, it's land and it's territory. It's the government versus the people. It's like uh, it, it. So it's we call this like the the distinction between state and nation is that like the Chinese nation, which is the Chinese people, they don't care, but like mm-hmm. the Chinese state PRC. You know, Taiwan is a very it's still a very important strategic location. Um, we are. It's in the U.S.'s eyes, we are part of the, the wall of defense, the iron, the like the Pacific. Is it called the Pacific Wall or the, or something? I don't know. But it's like mm-hmm. Japan, Taiwan, the Philippines, and like a series of other nations, and Korea. We like are the Pacific Wall. So if if China gets gets Taiwan, they could sail straight into the Pacific. They have complete domination of the Pacific. So it's like geopolitical importance in terms of like military mm-hmm. strategy, but also economics because you know. Taiwan was first put on the map in, in global in world history when the Dutch controlled and then they had access to ports because you know you steal a lot of places which today is still the same case for drug trade which actually I don't know if you know this but like uh, Taiwan is actually like we are very important in terms of like Asian drug trafficking even though we don't actually import a lot of drugs we just pass it from Southeast Asia towards other nations or like vice versa because oh, you know because drug trades, they don't fly as much because, you know, flying, mm-hmm. there's a lot more security. So they do j- just shipping. cargo ship. Sh- yeah, shipping. So they default to like shipping lines. And Taiwan is a very good um, checkpoint 
to deploy to other places for so a lot of the underground drug trade traffics through taiwan um but that's besides the point so yeah there's like economic there's like political there's military uses for taiwan and then you know as a nation as a as a nation as sorry as a country you know china of course wants more territory just like every other country does this is why taiwan won't taiwan won't give up the injunction even though it's like literally on the coast of china and then um this is why taiwan won't give up Yutai. there's nothing there yeah yo so there's nothing there so why why bother to get it <laughs> Because it's like land, you know, or like yeah. territory. And then so they fight over land because, you know, it looks bad if you just say, well, go ahead and have it. I don't care. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. It, it, it's, it's kind of like weakness and defeat or um, if you don't want, like who doesn't want to land, right? Like you said, but even though it's meaningless or pointless, it's a, it's a political stance. It's showing how like we're not easily, we're not going to easily back down. We're not going to. Yeah, I mean. Be pressured it's, by a foreign power. Like we say it's meaningless in terms of it's functionally meaningless, but it does have like symbolic value because like now after seeing you weak, that leads to me like, okay, so if you're going to give up this, maybe like, are you weak? Um, can I like mess with you? Like that's mm. exactly what happens with Hitler in World War II. You gave them Poland and then they took nice. over the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can, yeah, that's for sure. You can't, you can't negotiate with someone that is like Hitler or which is why it's all a mess. <laughs> yeah, you, who, you, who don't share the same values that, as you. Well, talking about conflicts, this is a long while back. What are your thoughts on Palestine and, uh, and Jerusalem? And Israel. And what? And Palestine and Israel. Palestine and Israel. It's, it's a while back, but still, you know, conflicts. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually did a debate topic on this before because, like, it's, it's so it's, it's, it's a very complicated issue. Um, I like to look at things from the perspective of history. So Israel was established after World War II by the United Nations after they were like, the Jewish people were ravaged during the Holocaust, so let's give them a nation. So the, the way they gave a nation was that they just drew on a piece of land. It's like, okay, we're not going to mess with any of the like UN allies, right? So mm-hmm. we're not going to mess with Saudi Arabia. We ain't going to mess with like all these people that we are friends with and that are powerful. So let's just take this piece of land that's like um, used to be part of the Ottoman Empire. And then well, now has just a bunch of Pal- Palestinians living there. And then like, let's make it Israel. And we'll give you a bunch of guns. You know, everybody that's Jewish can go. It's, it's Zion. So mm-hmm. we have a bunch of colonists that are not that are also weirdly not colonists because Israel originally belonged to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. Yeah, well, but then now they're here. Yeah, from, I re, well, um, Israel, like the, p- the place used to be owned or used to be governed by Great Britain, uh, but then they gave a part of or they gave it to to, as you said, like the Israel, the Israel people from the Jews, whoever whoever wanted to stay can, whoever wanted to stay there can come, and that's that's a yeah. that's a weird weird concept, you know. Yeah, but it's like. If you've lived in Palestine for your entire life, and then suddenly you're inviting people to come here, as you said, Jonathan, but do you think they deserve it though? Because well, they used to, like long, long time ago, they used to, the Jews used to live in Israel. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. It's complicated. But what I do know is that it's messed up for you to apologize to other people 
and then as a form of recompensate of, of compensation, take somebody else's things and give it to you, give it to the person you're apologizing to, which is what Germany did. Mm. Germany supports Israel very strongly. They helped establish Israel because they were like apologetic over the Holocaust. But the problem is that the get the the recomp the compensation you're giving doesn't belong to you. You know, yeah. um, and then here's what I will say is that like um actually that what's happening is that like in terms of like what stays happening, like Israel is an oppressive government. There's no doubt about that. Netanyahu is one of the worst peoples on, on the planet. Um, which is Netanyahu is the prime minister of Israel. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's pretty much finished already. I'd say. No, he's not finished. I'm gonna tell you that he's been going strong for a while, for well, a very you, very long while. There's recent oppositions toward his towards his uh to his rule. So there was always opposition, you know. And then and then it, once Netanyahu gets pushed down, somebody else will come back up, and they'll continue expansion into Palestine because no one wants to give up Palestine. That's true because all the people that were are elected are. Are like really passionate or pro pro Israel's Israel. gonna elect pro Israel leaders. Mm-hmm. This is what's gonna happen, and then they're gonna keep pushing into Palestine because you know the Gaza Strip's really nice for money, um, and also territory is territory, and also in in the Israeli stance, screw the Muslims. Wait, so is past because I'm I'm like not really familiar with this, but. Is Palestine technically or a country? No. Like they have their I don't own think government. It's technically a country. They have their it own is, governing um, uh, bot. They have their own government. Yeah, but it's but I think it's it's considered a rogue state, perhaps. I'm pretty sure. They're not a recognized government. Um this is a terrible analogy, but it's kind of like ISIS. You know, obviously I'm not saying that Palestine is ISIS, but ISIS has its own governing body, but just no one recognized it. Well, that, that's kind of a stress, I would say, <laughs> comparing Palestine to ISIS. But I think I'll say it's more similar to maybe Taiwan. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, okay, politically, they all kind of function the same way. Obviously, functionally, we are not ISIS. We don't go, like, attacking people. Uh, we're not trying to, like, expand and, like, create a nation. But, like, you know, it's all, it's just, like, governments that are unrecognized. Mm-hmm. Well, the government that existed before the Israel, the Israel. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm like, Palestine. I actually don't know too much about the original history because, like, I know Palestine is very much because originally it was all in but in 19, 19, the 1900s, early 1900s, it all was part of the Ottoman Empire and then that collapsed into shreds mm-hmm. after World War One. Um, so it had a very, it, it was kind of like a semi collapsed government, and then now mm-hmm. you have Israel that's just like, ooh, free land, obviously not free land, but you know, they considered it free land. So a bunch of colonists came, um. And they carved the spot out. And then Israel continues to um, expand into Palestine. And then they take, like, I think Palestinians don't have voting rights in Israel, even though they live in the same territory, um, Mm. things like that. And then some Palestinians fight back with car bombs. And then um, as a response, which you can debate whether or not that is like gratuitous, like that is excessive or not, or and then Israel continues to push it, and they use this as an excuse to like torture your people, and then like, th- like, and then now, um, there was a chart a while back that I saw. Oh um, yeah, I think was, I like, saw it on your on your Instagram, right? You've posted yeah. how, uh, compared from like Israel and Palestine, regardless who started it or regardless of what happened afterwards or who shot the first shot or whatever, 
the the casualties are like it's ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. It's asymmetrical it's, warfare. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's it's not an it's not an excuse to continue to fight because it's not a one on one ratio, and they're fighting on different uh on different level too. The technology and the amount of resources that both governments or both militaries have are unmatched. Yeah, asymmetrical warfare. Mm-hmm. And the Love U.S. Is, using it. And the U.S. is funding quite a lot. Yeah, it's they just, need yeah. that sweet, sweet oil because mm-hmm. capitalism that is true. And a lot of uh people in government in the U.S. are pro Zionism, so yeah. Well, now let's move on to something more, I would say, interesting. Indeed, uh, what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency? You know, it's, crypto. It's a actually, yeah. I think okay. I really love cryptocurrency, but you know, I'm a kind of a fanatic when it comes to you. So you can. So the way that it works is that it builds off crypto builds off of blockchain technology. Okay, so blo- the way that blockchain technology is that it's a new way of storing information. Mm-hmm. It's called a uh, decentralized storage. So the way that it works is like right now, right? I have a piece of information, right? And mm-hmm. I can give it to you, but like I own all the, I keep all the information, right? So the way this is how trading works today is okay. I'm gonna give you five dollars, okay? I'm gonna buy, I don't know, let's, let's buy buy object X from you, okay? I'm gonna give you five dollars. The way I give you five dollars is I'm gonna go to PayPal, right? I tell PayPal I want to give your account five dollars, right? Okay, PayPal charges a little bit of commission, um, and then and then PayPal obviously is not a bank account. You know, so they all go to, I don't know, Wells Fargo or like mm-hmm. Tai Taiwan City Bank, mm-hmm. you know, and then they get they go to like your account. Okay, we'll go to Wesley's account. We're gonna take five dollars. We're gonna get plus five dollars. We go to Eric's account. Let's do minus five dollars. Let's check. Okay, great. I'm gonna take a little bit of commission too. So the 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 bank takes a little bit of commission, and now you go to the ATM, and now you take out your five. Now you go to your PayPal account, and it's like oh plus five dollars, great. And then you go to your um ATM, which goes back to your bank. And then your bank just goes like, you want to withdraw $5? Okay, let's check this. Um, you have like you have like $5 right now. Let's do minus five. And then let's charge a little bit of commission on that. Because there's a lot of processes. So right in this situation I give you, there are like three data sheets, right? Your mm-hmm. PayPal balance, right? There's one operation that happens there. Your bank balance and like the balance that you keep yourself. Mm-hmm. three things are three different comfort are three different entities one is you one is paypal one is um the bank that's three different data sheets so if in the middle a bunch of money disappears or appears out of nowhere you can't really track where that money came from so the way that blockchain technology works is that instead of following the transaction you follow the money mm-hmm. well, so it's like mm-hmm. well well before we get into that well, you said you said uh, tr- transactions, right? So, blockchain is a tr- like a transaction uh, technology. But how about the Bitcoin itself? How how do you how do you uh, correlate a Bitcoin and a U.S. dollar? U.S. dollar is backed by gold, right? There's actual things because gold is okay, valuable. No, and it's no longer the U. The U.S. doesn't function under the gold system anymore. Well, it's, it's well, like um, initially it's it. it U.S. dollar and the gold were like equivalent. That's why yes, the U.S. dollar. Yes. That's that's why the U.S. dollar had its value, and that's why we were willing to, uh, use a paper essentially to 
to transact and buy stuff that are actually useful and valuable in real life. So how do you correlate between a US dollar and, and a Bitcoin, right? Why, why is there, it's Bitcoin just, uh, where does the value of Bitcoin come from? Right, so here's the thing I want to explain. The US no longer functions under the gold system, okay? Mm -hmm. The US now functions in terms of, it, it, it functions the same way as like any other currency now, which is just like how much I'm willing to trade for it. This is why inflation happens. Yeah. Um, is because it's no longer based on anything. Mm -hmm. um, which like the gold standard was, it, we kind of outlived the gold standard. So it was like supposed to happen. Now, the way that, the, the reason why Bitcoin fluctuates that much, that much is because there is no government system that manages it. Like the US, I can ban you. Like it is illegal to destroy currency. You cannot burn this $1 bill. Okay, that is illegal. You'll go to jail for that. Well, you you get fined for that, which is ironic because it's more money. But regardless, um, the way that Bitcoin works, which goes back to blockchain, is that you follow instead of following the transactions, you follow the money. So mm -hmm. it's like it's like it you follow what happens. So instead of recording, Wesley got five dollars, um, and that's all you get. You only see Wesley got five dollars. Okay, instead of that, it says that this money we follow the money. Okay, you go like. This, okay, this $5 originally belonged to Eric. Now we went to PayPal. Well, now, now we went to Wesley. Now Wesley went and go bought something from person A. So this money, like this $5 bill now has a record that follows. It goes that it was Eric and then Wesley and then person A and then person B and then person C. So that means that like, it's really hard to make this five, make new money like appear out of nowhere because when you got to hack it, you got to like, you got to put it back into the, code you get this so here, yeah well, it's getting a little messy let me give you the the, well, the string code right so the five dollar goes eric to wesley to a to b to c to d to d and it just continually grows as that money gets passed around and then mm -hmm. if you're gonna like steal it it becomes really difficult because you need to take it and then like there's all this record that you need to deal with okay you need to fit back in mm -hmm. and out which is how crypto works so in that okay in that sense um we know that crypto it's it's secure. Like you can't theoretically it is unhackable. It's, it's theoretically. theoretically. Okay, theoretically it's unhackable. But now now the question is do you talk about how five dollars, right? Five dollars which yeah. is something that actually has value in terms of yeah, we can actually use five dollars to buy um water water, we can use five dollars to buy stuff at a grocery store where yeah, stuff that's actually valuable. So that five dollars is US dollars, but yeah, now in Bitcoin, we're transacting a Bitcoin. So First of all, what is a Bitcoin? And second of all, where, where does, why, where is this, where, where do we get, where do we even get that Bitcoin, right? That, that's kind of the question. Right. So two things. So the, the, the question that happens is that people don't realize that like a Bitcoin dollar is really the same thing in terms of how it functions. Cause like, I'm going to ask you, what is $5? You're not going to say it's this much in gold. Cause like that changes the value of gold fluctuates now because we're yeah. no longer on the gold standard. So they're that's both true. just units of currency. Um, in terms of where Bitcoin comes from, so unlike the U.S. government, we don't print out. The U.S. government prints out money every year. Yeah, they replace old bills or like they increase new bills, whatever. Bitcoin is is manufactured by everybody. So in the U.S., well, in in, in traditional currency, it is guaranteed by the U.S. government. the The government guaranteed like it's it's five dollars today, right? Well, let's say uh, 
uh, um, a uh, this this piece of paper that you've been given that has a one on it is is worth one dollar. This is guaranteed by the U.S. government. Um, the way that it works for cryptocurrency is that you have these people called miners. Um, they they create these Bitcoin. They create Bitcoin. Everybody can create Bitcoin. You can create Bitcoin if you have a strong enough computer. But it becomes like progressively more difficult to create new Bitcoins. Like I think in the 2000s, it was you can just create a Bitcoin really easy. You could just like you could run it on a laptop. But now you need like supercomputers going, like a bunch of supercomputers hooked up at the same time to keep going to produce new Bitcoin. Which is why it eventually Bitcoin will stabilize as a currency, um, in terms of its total amount. Mm. Now, the main problem we have today is that the fluctuating value. Because a Bitcoin is worth however much that people are willing to trade for it. That's what that's how crypto is worth. It's 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 that's, its that's, value is in its value. It's just like how much people value it. It's just valued based on how people want it. That's different from how normal dollars work because normal dollars have and normal currency has already a dominant field control. So I can be like today I don't want to go use Bitcoin, let's use USD instead. But you can't really go from today. I don't want to use USD. From this point on, I don't want to use USD anymore. I want to use Bitcoin. Like it doesn't really work that way, just because like most people aren't using Bitcoin, which is the problem. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you would say that the the value of Bitcoin was only start to level out or um, start from not fluctuating when all of the Bitcoin are mined, and second, when people are willing to recognize the value of Bitcoin at a set price. So say. Um, so say um, 7-Eleven or is now willing to accept Bitcoin, right? That, that's yeah. why I think that's why from what I was uh, reading and I, thought, I think that's why Tesla was such an important aspect of why Bitcoin was uh, going on like a, on a rise. And that's why when Tesla said, okay, you can no longer use Bitcoin to buy our Tesla. That's why it started to dip because you, yeah. you, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, make a... Uh, you can't draw like equivalence between Bitcoin or uh, grasp the value of Bitcoin simply through Bitcoin because you can't use it to buy anything. Yeah. Like, you can only convert it to US dollars and then use that US dollars to buy stuff. So yeah. when Tesla said you can use, you can, uh, use Bitcoin to buy a Tesla, it gave it a legit, legitimate and tangible mm-hmm. value to it. And that's why when Tesla said no, it, that's why it dropped. Right. So it's, this is, this is, Actually, like a lot of people see this as a problem, but like I think this actually reaffirms the value of cryptocurrency because so Bitcoin came after 2000 after the 2008 market crash, the financial crisis of 2008, where they bailed out. So the problem that happened was that 2008 like revealed for our generation that like the problem that exists in the economy is the financial sector. You have these people that aren't really doing anything. You know, you have these stock traders, stockbrokers, you know, you have these like hedge funds, you have these banking, bank accounts that they're just like, they're taking money during the, like, they're taking commission. They're not really doing anything. They're connecting wires. And then sometimes they connect the wires incorrectly so that they can get a little bit more in between. That's how they make money disappear. That's how you get form bubbles. The way that cryptocurrency works is that you replace the entire financial sector with robots that don't take commission. So instead of like me, when I buy something from you now for that $5, instead of going to PayPal and then going to um, Wells Fargo and then going back to PayPal and then going to you and then to your ATM company that you can take it out, 
I just go, it's just me to you. There's just one line. Mm -hmm. Which means that, but this is kind of scary because if you think about how it works is that the entire financial sector disappears. Mm. No more accounting. There's no more stock trading. I mean, there's probably stock trading. There's no more hedge funds investing money. I'm like, the well, problem with in today, with the problem with like money today is that money is taken at face value. Like mm -hmm. money is interpreted to be value. That's a problem because money was invented as a way of like, um, as a means of like, it's a tool for trade, you know, to get things of equivalent value. But then, which means that money is only supposed to be worth as much as people are willing to trade for. Um, well, but it doesn't work that way anymore because people think owning money is like the end goal, not owning the thing that happens after the money. But anyways. Yeah, well, the thing is, for people who don't know about crypto at all, because I would say crypto is a relatively like new thing to a lot of people and it's, it's a young thing too. So most of the, only the young generation know about crypto. So that's probably, probably like the 5% of the entire world population. So why would, yeah, yeah, maybe even less, but why would people even, because as you said, crypto is entirely based on uh, what the market or what we want it to be, what, how valuable we think it is, how much we're willing to, because there's no central government that's backing it up. So, and it's essentially, to say plainly, like worthless, if we don't, if we don't think, if we think Bitcoin is worthless, it will really be worthless. So yeah. Why do people, why do people, why should people have faith in Bitcoin and actually spend 50 or 35K to buy one Bitcoin when they can uh, just use the US dollar and um, it's consistent, it's safe and, and there's no risk to it and they can use it whenever they want. That's, that's the problem. It's not consistent. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. the that's why you have financial crises. That's why you have bubbles is because there's so much mess that happens in between those three balance sheets, like right? your own balance sheet, the company A's balance sheet, company B's balance sheet, the bank's balance sheet. Everything gets muddled, things get lost, and then you have an equational failure that happens in between. And that's how you get a financial crisis. That's what happens in Zimbabwe. They don't have a currency. Zimbabwe, I don't know if you guys remember that. It, it's been a joke for a very long time because Zimbabwe dollars, they went through like very, 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 very rapid inflation. Very rapid inflation, and it disappeared. This is the same with happening in Venezuela. Like, you know the game RuneScape. RuneScape, okay. No, RuneScape has its own like. In, it's a game, okay. And then there's a currency in game, okay. It's just think of it kind of like World of Warcraft. That's probably gonna trigger a lot of people, but like think of it as <laughs> this money in World of Warcraft. Okay? Mm -hmm. You know, RuneScape. The currency in RuneScape is more stable than the actual Venezuelan dollar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, that's why Venezuela is using Bitcoin as their primary source of yeah. currency now. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that people don't realize is that money is only supposed to be worth as much as you think it is. Because money isn't something that exists in nature. That is true. It's how you negotiate and transition between nature. And then the thing about it is that um, with current traditional technologies, uh, sorry, current um traditional currencies, you're able to manipulate the value of something. Mm. You can just set it to however you want, right? But the way that the way that it um, that crypto works is that it accelerates everything because now everybody has access to it. 
So it's not just these people have to do it, but uh, everybody okay. does. Which which like accelerates the speed. It's like it it it's, in terms of economics, it increases competition by like way higher. Mm. Um, so then like if people that, that you're able to get to the true value of something very quickly, true value of a product very quickly. Um, obviously, I think I did a horrible job explaining crypto <laughs> in this, but like so, I very encourage everybody like you and also like whatever whoever's listening to go like look up like, like in the video explaining how blockchain and crypto works um but then you're able to approach the true value of something very mm-hmm. quickly in terms of like you can match the market to its like true value whereas right now if there's a very lagging speed behind it um which is where act- it would actually solve a lot of problems in terms of like things that don't actually have that much value being deemed as like more expensive or like things of high value being being kind of worthless Mm-hmm. Like a Tesla probably would have been worth way much. Like if we functioned on a like complete cryptocurrency system mm-hmm. for a long time, like when Tesla came out, it probably would have been higher in value than mm-hmm. it did, and it wouldn't like be subject to almost like dying as a company. Yeah, well, um, about uh, crypto, and I feel like the another main issue about crypto is it's. So easy. Well, as of now, because the, the market, I would say, is relatively small. Because it's yeah. only the same amount of people who are exchanging or buying large amount of bitcoins. That's why it's so easily fluctuating. And as you said, the, the barrier of entry is so low. You, you don't you don't need to have a hundred k to buy bitcoin. You can have ten ten dollars and you can buy bitcoin. And you can sell that zero point zero 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 one bitcoin anytime you want. So the barrier of entry is so low that um, as when you're scared or when you like when you hear Elon tweeting how Bitcoin is, is going to die and how uh, Bitcoin's costing so much energy and uh, Tesla's no longer going to use Bitcoin, you, you get scared, right? So you can sell the Bitcoin. You can sell that $10 worth of Bitcoin at a price that is significantly lower than any other competitor or yeah. any other. And because of that, it's in some sense very easily to manipulate it. But at the same time, when there's enough people who are in Bitcoin and who are um, buying and selling Bitcoin, that that guy who's so unsure about selling that Bitcoin at a low price will be so insignificant. But the problem is that guy who's so who's nervous and selling that Bitcoin at a low price manipulates the market. And that's why there's such a significant drop. And how one person tweets out something can so can change the Bitcoin market so significantly. Yeah, you know, it's just like people need to believe in it, and then people probably aren't likely to believe in it because it creates a very big shift. Like it collapsed an entire sector of the economy. Like these jobs just disappear. Like they're not going to exist anymore if, if like if cryptocurrency is like something common. So the ultimate goal of cryptocurrency was actually to like unite in like it's to establish a, like a an, a global currency. Mm. Originally, that's the original goal. It's like. There is no more dollars. There's no more NTD. There's no more pound. There is no more ruble. There's no more ron. There's whatever. All of that is just like, it's just Bitcoin. Yeah. So, and if that comes, no, mm-hmm. oh, no, you go ahead. Yeah. So one of the things that happened in before that, you know, somebody almost there was this person. Let me check who this person is. Somebody like almost destroyed the English pound. Oh, it drops just by trading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. His name was George Soros. Yeah, Soros. Like it was in nineteen ninety two. He almost like completely broke the pound entirely. Just, like 
he he almost got it to like um yeah he so the way that it worked is that he kept um he just kept trading for it you know he traded in a deficit that caused like massive inflation he just kept selling it at a very cheap price and then the, which which makes no sense if you think about it yeah he's but losing like, money no like conceptually he's selling money that is the problem of like modern day economics well, well the currency system that you can sell money that well, doesn't make sense yeah how does that make sense because you're, you're not selling supposed money. to sell currency because currency is the tool by by which you sell well if so he's... money has become a product in and of itself and it's not supposed to be it's only supposed to be a tool but anyway well what do you mean by selling because uh because ten dollars is ten dollars worth right so if you're selling it at eight dollars worth you're losing that two dollars regardless if you're selling yeah. the eight dollars worth in a pounds or a Taiwanese dollar. Yeah, but that's the thing that's happening is that I can, I can. So the problem in traditional currencies that we can trade, there is multiple of them. There is USD, there is NTD. So right now it's like roughly 30 NTD to one USD. Mm -hmm. What he did was the equivalent of like taking, um, uh, okay, here's how it works. Okay, it's, it's, he, he takes like, Instead of 30 NTD for one USD, he's like, mm -hmm. you know what? I'll give you one US dollar if you give me 20 NTD. He's selling it for a cheap price. Because originally it's like you exchange one US dollar and you get 20. But he's like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Okay. I'll give you one US dollar. Okay. You just, you just need, instead of the 30, just give me five. Just give me five NTD. Well, then in that case, the value of USD will drop exactly. and the value of NTD will rise. Exactly. You do that enough times. Ah, okay. I see what you mean. Disappears enough times. So, so okay. Because if you're doing at a at a minor scale, and yeah. if you're doing at like a a minuscule scale, it won't it won't affect the market. You'll just be incurring all the losses. But yeah, when you do that to to a certain extent, it becomes the new new standard. The yeah. new so one Soros was doing this at at like billions of dollars, millions of dollars. He's doing it at that level. That's so interesting. Like the fact that one guy can collapse an entire can almost collapse an entire currency. <laughs> like that's that's yeah, that's the problem of modern days that currency is now a, like a product. If you treat it as an object, you're well, not supposed to treat it. You're supposed to treat it as a tool that like it's only a means of trading. Well, Forex is a it's a it's also a big market too. For foreign exchange, right? You're just exchanging money between yeah, exactly. currencies. So, but then, like, when you think about it, what are what are these people producing? Yeah, that's that's a good question. That that's a good point too. Because why would why would a U.S. dollar drop? Is and why would a Taiwanese dollar rise? Because it's a it's a government that's backed by it, so it's very very consistent uh, thing. So it's I think all four all the currencies that are rising and dropping are purely based on manipulation. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like even on a more like like on a greater scale on a bigger picture of like okay so you have these people that are working in foreign exchange right they're yeah. like people that like it could be people that are just sitting at home that these rich people that are just like we're going to trade money and then we're going to gain from that um and then like in, in the same way that they work in stocks but like probably worse because currency um and then they're or, or the people that are actually down there like working to like change your bills at the airport these mm -hmm. people like these people they are working Right, so you had to pay them, but they're not producing anything. Now, it's not to say that their work isn't valuable right now, but 
because right now it is valuable. And then like, of course, the people that work in the kiosk, they should like, they, they need to have it. They, they, they should have a job available to them so they can earn a living, but like they're not producing anything, but you're paying them. So now you've created a vacuum where like this entire financial sector of the world in terms of employment, all this like money is going to them. All these resources are going to them, but they're not giving, they're not producing any resources. They're not mm. producing new technologies. They're not producing art. They're not producing, um, like they're not producing new science. They're you not know, producing new technology. They're not producing food. Like, but they're getting paid a lot of money. We're well, not that's why, well, that's why there's commission fees, right? That's yeah, exactly. They're, they're not gaining anything from that stock exchange because the profit is entirely yours. But in order for me to help you trade that money, I'm I'm getting that percentage. And yeah, exactly. When that percentage so, accumulates enough, I'm able to uh, have some profit and also pay my employees. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's the problem is that there is a lot of commission going around. There's a lot of commission and commission. If, if you think about a commission, it's, it, it creates an imperfection in the system because like now the money is not being 100% transferred. Um, mm. Right. Cause like I pay you $5. Okay. But like $0.5 goes to whoever is doing the commission. Now $0.5 is in the equation. Now there's a lot of this $0.5, which creates like a lot of complications. Well, it prevents you from getting to the true value of something because the true worth of what I'm selling to you is five dollars. Ah, so in that, now, point in that, gone. Mm. I think okay, that's the best I can to explain cryptocurrencies. I'm pretty sure it's still pretty horrible, and maybe like five years down the line, after I get a better understanding of economics, I'll be like, this is completely stupid what I just said. Oh no, it, it, <laughs> but well, it, it, to me right now, it makes sense. <laughs> well, I think cryptocurrency. Uh, I wouldn't say it's entirely the future, but I feel like a global currency is, it's going to be part of the future because like I you said, you do, I'll be honest. really, you, I think it should be, but it won't be. It is a utopian vision because now you're, because like you're talking about, you're going to get rid of the entire sector of jobs. These are like billions of people. Okay. Not billions, millions of people with these jobs, the millions, the entirety of wall street. Mm-hmm. You know, take away their jobs. All these foreign exchange workers—they're not going to have a job anymore. They're going to there's going to be massive resistance to it, and then yeah. that resistance creates what is happening right now, which is like people don't trust it, which means they won't invest in it, which means it becomes unstable. So that's a good point. To the, the article there, because because as you were saying, I was I was thinking, as someone who's not like, okay, say I'm, say someone like me, I'm I'm. Uh, not really familiar or not like an expert at crypto. I'm interested in it, uh, but what are my incentives to do it? It's aside from earning that um, profit difference or earning that, yeah, earning that profit difference. What is, what is my incentive to buy Bitcoin? Okay, my only incentive other than trying to get that profit difference is it's more, uh, it's easier to use, right? You can, you can uh, buy and sell Bitcoin or transact without the need of commission, without the need of holding, having a wallet, you can just use, use your phone and you can just uh, send it to someone and they can accept it. And that's pretty much it, no commission. But at the same time, if US dollar, if we uh, make US dollars, if we, I feel like a more realistic move is US dollars, Taiwanese dollars, instead of using paper, it becomes not digital, but yeah, it becomes digital in a sense. You transact U.S. dollars digitally. The issue is that already exists. 
today. Yeah, I know. So, so that, that's what I'm saying. So, Cash App, PayPal, stuff like that, it's much more like tangible than than introducing an entirely new coin backed by nothing. You know, because at the end of the day, a country still means something. A country and a government with rules and a system and economy still still matters. See, that's the problem. That they can't actually like I say that they guarantee the dollar, but they really can't guarantee the dollar. Mm. You really can't do it. Like that's what happened with Venezuela. You think Venezuela used to guarantee the Venezuelan dollar? They mm-hmm. still guarantee the Venezuelan dollar, but it, now it's like ridiculously low. I think they had two thousand, like twenty thousand percent for inflation last year, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and it's the problem. Yeah, so the big, big biggest major concern. There's two concerns about crypto, which is like a is is the technology developed enough. Which apparently it isn't because I think a company, uh, a Bitcoin station, a Bitcoin center got hacked the other day. Um, I think within a year, mm-hmm. within this year, or maybe not 2021, but like I think late 2020, or, or it's either late 2020 or like early 2021, a Bitcoin company got hacked and that like cost a lot of money. Um, so like it's not necessarily secure. And if, if it is secure, the question becomes like privacy because like all your purchases are tracked. Like mm. right now, if I want to track your purchases, it's like this guy. We need to figure out why this drug dealer had five hundred dollars, right? I can be like, where I have to look at his purchases and I have to guess which one it came from, and then where where he's selling. But if in the world of crypto, he's like he has five hundred dollars. I can look at each in, individual dollar here. Sorry, I, each individual um Bitcoin, I guess five hundred Bitcoin. I can see exactly where this Bitcoin was from its creation to now. Mm. Well, so, the, like, the issue with that is mm-hmm. the issue with that is um, a cryptocurrency is held in a crypto wallet. So, and a crypto wallet is not directly uh, there's nothing to um, so say for a, if you open a bank account, right? The government knows that this is your bank account, and you need your ID and all that to set yeah. up this bank account. But for a crypto wallet, you don't need an ID to set up a crypto wallet. You don't need anything to. Uh, attach yourself to that crypto wallet or attach yourself because you can lose that crypto wallet. It's crypto yeah, wallets only a number. To a billionaire this other time and he used like most of his password. So he's really helping somebody could help him guess his last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you also, yeah, like you said, there's only a few chances you forget it. You can only, yeah, uh, you're really screwed. Yeah. You're really screwed. So in that sense, I would say you have a, you can't, you have a choice. You can, right. I feel like you can, you can set up a crypto wallet, do like a, like a platform, like a PayPal and all that. Which they'll also take a commission, but and then you also have to connect your identity to that wallet. But you can also make it entirely anonymous. So it's also a, a good place for black market. And though it's trackable, you don't know who's sending that money to. Yeah. Well, I really hope crypto takes off with my limited knowledge. Maybe in hindsight, this is going to be completely idiotic and naive and a complete terrible explanation but as of right now i'm very very um i think it's going to solve a lot of problems because like the financial sector and commission all this crap is like highly inefficient it is Mm -hmm. very very inefficient the more that there is and the more processes that are involved the more inefficient um economics become and then the more inefficient that the world functions that is um, true. 
Yeah. So and the more inefficient, the more room for error, which is why you get financial crises. Mm-hmm. And as we develop new technology, it's inevitable thing we need to adapt to because um, a a job or or a sector of the market that doesn't produce anything it's not beneficial to our economy at all we're not maximizing what we can do as like a, a society yep so if we eliminate that that sector and then reallocate it not just eliminate it but reallocate it to somewhere else then we can then uh generally or from a wider perspective we'll do better yeah yeah because imagine if tens of thousands of people who just transact money who aren't really produce anything, who are just taking a small percentage of all the transactions they do, are actually developing a new skill. And, but the problem with that is now the, like the, in another sense, the barrier of entry for job in job markets will be much higher. You don't need, you don't need like a skill set or education to know how to transact money or do yeah. foreign, or yeah, you, you yeah, need a lot it. of Wall Street people didn't graduate college. Yeah. So, that makes college even more important. <laughs> I would say not necessarily. It makes employment more hard. You have to work a lot harder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which just, is not, I don't think that, I don't see that as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Because now like you just elevated the baseline. Like you used to be able to like get a job as, as like as a simple postman of like I'm delivering mail. All right. Mm-hmm. Or like a printing press. All I got to do today in my job is like, I take this printer, like I just got to rearrange the letters and then pull this lever and it's going to print the words on the paper. That's all I got. But now all of that is getting replaced by automation, like which is a problem for people now. But in the long term, you're elevating the scale ceiling now to a point where eventually mm-hmm. most people will be entrepreneurs, which would accelerate the rate of technological advancement and just like improve quality. Yeah. Because that's... Entrepreneurs are the only one that you can be a hundred percent sure won't be entirely replaced by, by automation and by new technology. Is if you think about they it, they create new ideas. Yeah, they create new ideas or just innovators as in general. If you think yeah. about it, a businessman, or like if you study economics, you're analyzing all the ups and downs. But technology can easily like replace all the, uh, not easily, but they can gradually learn all the, the tips and tricks. And then if you talk about writing, there's a creative element to writing, but, uh, and this might be a stretch, but you know, robots are, can, can, can write stuff too. But I don't know, I, man. <laughs> I don't think the creative section can be replaced by a robot. I'll be completely honest. Maybe like, maybe like geograph, like the geometric stuff they can really mess with and the logic stuff. <laughs> But I'm yet to see the creative side. I think the creative side is probably going to be human. Yeah, okay. Or at least for in large part. Mm-hmm. Or like very highly involved and partially human. Yeah, but one thing we can be certain, the baseline as a whole will be will be raised. And now that's yeah. to everyone. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a final few questions i just curious about. Because, um, so this is more of like the college admission side of things. Because... Or just some questions I have. You're a very successful student, successful person. And I was just wondering, you know, for students or high school students, do you have any advice on just college admissions in general? 
Uh, don't follow trends. You know, mm-hmm. follow what makes you follow what's important to you. Do what you think is important. You know, mm-hmm. this might not help you succeed in terms of like getting into the flashiest college. Because I guess I what I'm saying is don't try to get into the flashiest college. Just get a college mm-hmm. that you think will actually help you improve as a person. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, a good general direction for life is that instead of doing what make you look successful, do what mm-hmm. do what you think is important. Mm-hmm. Well, another you thing you broke afterwards, but you know, if you're <sighs> broke and doing what you think is important. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you get financial aid? I did. I got the uh, federal investment grant. Um, the f- the FAFSA. Sorry, not the federal one. Um, I got a federal work study program. I I got most of my grants from the university, but that's because like Rice was a very generous package. But the hard so, part of getting for Rice is getting in rather than paying for it. So essentially, you're you're going to be debt free when you when you finish college. I'm gonna have a little bit of debt, um, but like. It's 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 like incomparable to you. Know, I yeah, I got a lot of financial aid. Um, That's great not from news. the government, but from Rice. That's great news. That's one of the main things that are that we don't really think about when you apply. I guess you don't yeah. think about that college debt because that's that's crazy. If you don't get college debt, I was I did my research paper on it. So there's thousands of not even thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have to accumulate, and then if you want to do graduate school just piles on and piles on and then imagine how many years you have to work on to to pay back that college that it's just that's also another problem i feel like well i don't know if it's it's a it's a problem that we can really fix because no one's willing to provide you with free education if you don't have any merits that's what privilege pays the other big problem is that people don't realize that but like education is not merit-based really no it's not it's it they tell you it's merit-based but it's not merit-based it's, it's social economics no it's not even socioeconomic well it, it's very much determined by the rich poor gap so there's two things right so one is that just like so the sat right it's originally it's no longer called that now sat stands for nothing originally stands for the scholastic aptitude test okay it was Mm -hmm. a test designed to prove that nordic that people of nordic descent are smarter than people of jewish descent (laughs) it was a racist test and then you know like you might say that its origins have changed but that doesn't matter because like it it, what originally it's supposed to measure is that your likelihood of success at school you know it's supposed to be unprepable you're supposed to be it's supposed to be impossible to prepare for and it's supposed to separate out the people that are naturally good at school and the people that are naturally bad at school, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're not supposed to be able to prepare for it. You know? you're just, you're, it's supposed to be something you're born for, right? Um, yeah. So two things wrong with that. Obviously, A, people figure out that you can't prepare for it, which means that it doesn't actually minute, measure aptitude. And B is that because it, of preparable, uh-huh. a lot of it chalks up to... So here's actually how SAT makes its test questions, new test questions. They give uh-huh. these trial questions to students that like usually it's like they people that they think they do well on right and people that they think do bad on so it's like people that already do well on this test and then people that already do poorly on the test so it's like um it, originally it was based obviously for the white nordic people right people of white nordic descent 
So they gave it to people like that who obviously have an advantage because it was designed for them. And then they gave it to, like um, people that score bat- worse on it, which is like generally black people because you know they don't have as like many resources to succeed on. Um, and then it's usually, especially the writing segment, the reading segment is about things that like they're just not really exposed to. You don't have the chance to get exposed to this because you know it's more higher, it's more higher class things. And then these new questions, they just confirm the old results because when say a person that's like usually scores badly, say the black person, they they like they score higher than than some than somebody that like than white people who is predicted to score higher based on previous like racist data, they're like, huh. This must be a bad question because the worst student is scoring higher than the better student. Mm. Therefore, we're going to remove this new question. And we're going to only keep the ones that confirm what we already know. Wait, so, so I didn't, I never done any, I've never done any research on the SAT, but so what you're saying is the, the, the scholastic aptitude test was, was designed so that the questions that so that the so that the Nordic descent or people of Nordic descent who take the test will have a higher chance of getting in higher grades, while other um, ethnic groups will have a lower chance of getting a good grade. So it designed. It, okay, so it's designed. It's, it's it was meant to prove that Nordic people were smarter than Jewish people. So so it was like it was a, it was a faulty experimental design. And then after like like afterwards, the, okay. To be fair, the creator ended up backtracking on his statement be like that was a messed up beginning it's supposed to just it's mm. supposed to measure just general aptitude okay but then they figured out that it doesn't actually measure aptitude it, <laughs> it, it measures preparedness um and we, you can do that by like spending lots of money on prep courses so oh, now it doesn't mm. measure anything that's why they added the new adversity score mm. well what, what do you say that it's still a sense or a measurement of not intelligence, but aptitude, you know, while like, what other tests except for the IQ test you can't prepare for? Yeah, like, that's you- why, that's, that, that's exactly what I mean. It's not measuring aptitude because aptitude is something that you, like, you're supposed to be naturally born with. So if you can prepare for it. It's not aptitude. Anymore. So would you suggest that instead of taking the SAT exams, or would you suggest that we still take the SAT exam or we don't take the SAT exam or instead take an IQ test? See, here's the problem is that this, this is, becomes very confusing because, so I did a debate, there was a debate topic on um, mm-hmm. um, standardized testing in college admissions. So the overall consensus through like debating at least is that there's this idea of the shift disadvantage, which is that if you get rid of standardized testing, what's going to happen is that college admissions will have to rely heavily on GPA and also extracurricular activities and like essays, which are called these quote unquote holistic um, mm-hmm. assessments, holistic admission techniques. But you can also which, prepare for these though, because the argument still stands. You can also prepare for worse. it. It's yeah. even worse. It's the thing because for tests, it's like there's at least number to look at, but like for holistic assessments, there's two ways. One is that like the admission off the admission officer, they have their own leeway of judging which one's better than the other. And two is that holistic things depend, like they occur outside of school. So it's like you play volleyball. You know, somebody that is struggling to feed their family and has to work as a child, they can't be playing volleyball. They can't be doing rowboating. They can't be doing these math competitions. They can't be designing robots. So they're, <laughs> and then the same applies for GPA. You know, if you're working hard 
but they don't have any resources. Their GPA is going to be lower than somebody who can afford to take five AP classes a year. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's, that's why it's kind of a mess because the existing problem is already a problem. It, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it already overdetermined by socioeconomic. Like, I think the, the correlation between like your socioeconomic status and the, your projected score on the standardized test is like really, really high. I think mm. it's really high. Uh, I'm not even giving a number, but I just remember it's really high. But well, if you take away, it's also really high. <laughs> so you know what? Yeah, because at some point, you need a a a, a consistent bar of comp- comparison. Because there's students in Taiwan, there's students in the U.S., different GPAs, different GPA scales, different AP courses that are provided. And at the end, at the end of the day, a college needs to decide who who's able to come in. And if there's nothing to compare with, you can, you can't make a decision. So, but at the same time, the problem still stands. This the measurements or the standard of grading it's so biased towards people with higher socioeconomic backgrounds that it's virtually, I would say, built in the system. You can't built in the admission system. You can't really solve that by banning SAT. So here's the. So this is about meritocracy, right? Like the mm-hmm. idea that it's based on merit that you're schooling. So that's one thing that's wrong with meritocracy is that like one, it doesn't actually measure your merit. So it's like hard to determine your merit. But B, and I think this is probably the worst question. This is the bigger problem is that a big part of admissions is not merit-based, but rather legacy-based. Would you say a that's lot a of lot? People, it legacy. is actually a lot. It's, is it's, it? it's actually wow. a lot, a lot. Okay, why would you say... Because that always confuses me. Why would um, a Harvard, if you have a Harvard parent, then your son would be have a higher chance to get into Harvard? What in the perspective of Harvard, if this kid is um, not is not as it's not qualified, but has a legacy, what makes him more appealing? Because his dad gave our school five billion dollars last year. Well, aside from that, but legacy. But no, that's, only that 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 is most of it. Is that? His dad gave us five million dollars in donations last year, mm. and then in order to get five more millions of dollars, I have to let his son in. Mm. Five million? Wait, really? Yeah, that is actually a lot of it. Well, I watched the Varsity Blues documentary on on Netflix about the the college admission college admission scandal. Are oh, you talking about South Carolina? Thing? Oh, sorry, the USC thing. Yeah, the USC thing, and then the yeah. the singer Greek thing. Singer. Yeah, big singer, guy. yeah. It's that's one part of it, but a lot of it is like completely legal stuff. Mm-hmm. That is legacy stuff is completely legal stuff because it's like the the thought process, the messed up thought process is that if your dad succeeded at our school or if your mom succeeded at our school, that you probably, as a child of your mom or dad, is going to succeed in the school. Mm. And yeah, a big chunk, like proportion wise. A very big chunk of admissions is not actually merit-based. It's not actually the affirmative action stuff, but it's the legacy admission. So a lot of this, this, this is what takes me off when a lot of Asian people com- complain about affirmative action. They'd be like, oh my gosh, all these black people, they're getting like a lower score. They're getting, cur- it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. The reason why this is happening, why there needs to be affirmative action, which I, I will admit completely that it's a completely flawed system, is that because it's trying to offset the amount of disproportionate. So the reason why we have a tighter margin 
is not because there's black people competing with us. It's because there's a big part of the pie that is, belongs to legacy admissions that we don't get access to, that no one gets access to. Mm. Oh, well, that's true. But, well, if you talk about affirmative action, it's, it's purely based on ethnic groups, right? It's a, it's a baseline. So it's saying that like, if there are these people, which I think is completely valid, especially given the history of America, because it's like, well, the idea, the idea, I think the argument on, on affirmative action is um, the reason why we have affirmative action is to prevent the, the social economic difference between the, what the resources that are typically provided by the to white people who, and Asian people who are relatively richer compared to African-Americans who don't have the same resources. But this argument is, if that's, if that's the reason why we have affirmative action, and then we give a certain percentage of students to these, um, to these students, the students that get in are still the group of students who tend to have a, high, who have a higher grade based on, in their ethnic group. So yeah. the, the students who get that, got the highest SAT score and the GPA score within the African-American pool and these students, compared to the other African students, have higher social economic backgrounds. So the same problem applies. The, the African American or the um, minority groups students that you are selecting are still the students that come from the more come from the families that are more uh, are richer and wealthier. So yeah. you still yeah. maintain that social economic gap between the poor and the rich yeah which is why i say it's a flawed it's still a flawed it's a it's a flawed solution to fix a problem um but you did, what you what people don't consider is this is that it's the point of it and all these things that are trying to like remove like address like inequality and what we call pedagogical inequality which means just like educational like inequality is that like it's about the significance of breaking the cycle cycle right so mm -hmm. if you think about like beyond education to employment, it is more, is it more significant for, for somebody whose entire family went to college, went to Harvard or went to an Ivy league school for that kid to go into, get into Harvard? Or is it more significant for somebody like who is the only person in their community, where nobody in their community has ever got into an Ivy league school to get into Harvard? Which, which person do you think is going to make it more, which, which person do you think is going to have a greater impact on the community? Harvard. I'm sorry. The person, like these two applicants, are going to Harvard. Are applying to Harvard. Oh, okay. Wh which is going to be more like which which one's more likely to which one's more significant for the community? Somebody who's entirely oh, yeah, okay. always gone to Ivy League, or like somebody who's yeah, okay. I see what you like mean. No college graduates. That they they no 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 graduates one. Yeah, because they're gonna take that job, right? Mm -hmm. and that that's gonna change their lives, which enables them to potentially change the lives of their community. I see which means mean. that more of them can go to college and more of them can get better educated more than that, that yeah it's about significance of change mm. which people don't take into account when they're applying for selfish reasons which is i guess like what i really want to challenge everybody applying to college right now that is listening to this that is going to apply to college is like try to be try not to be selfish in this process you know it's a very competitive process very easy to become selfish and think all about you because in a sense that you like this process is all about you. You're trying to when you're writing your essay, you're trying to put yourself out there for your your admission officers. By the way, those of you that aren't putting yourselves out there for admissions, you're probably not going to go to the essay. Um, 
<laughs> unless your parents have a lot of money that you're using backdoors that's kind of sus um <laughs> but like yeah it's 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 very like if you this process is very tiring and it requires a lot of personal investment mm -hmm. that's why you might think it's all about you but like try not to try to keep an eye open for the less fortunate well that's definitely that's a great message but at the same time um I feel like at the same time we can't uh, undermine that i would still say that asian americans and also african americans like these minority groups have disadvantages because yeah, the poorest group in new york city is not actually black people but asians mm -hmm. like we are like the, the effects of racism it's not the model minority myth is false you know asians are not more successful than other people that's just not true in the u.s it's yeah a lie that's been fed to us um to pacify us Mm -hmm. that's and there's like i feel like asian discrimination and and the asian stereotypes are really detrimental to like the amount the success that we can have in the states because yeah. there's asian americans have a glass ceiling like you can only get that far and yeah. it's just yeah, it's it's an, it's something. Non-white yeah. feels like. Yeah, and the model minority is is such like a it's it's a myth, but at the same time, it's such a real thing. Like in terms of people think that it it's so true that yeah. Asian Americans have a such a difference. The yeah, they buy into it. Not necessarily the Asian Americans, but the other people that aren't Asian Americans buy into it, and then for for that reason, they don't take what we're saying as seriously. Yeah. So you know. We're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. You know, most people are kind of the same. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we have, though most people are the same, they have very different experiences in, the, in different histories, in different cultures. So, you know, try to try to know them, try to figure it mm -hmm. out, and then try to re react accordingly. Yeah, that's because everyone is, has, because. Well, this is in the perspective of Asian American, African Americans have to uh, battle with a different type of unfairness. And it's just everyone has their own disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Not all may be equal, but all are struggles. <laughs> well said. Different types of struggles, but struggles nonetheless. So just be mindful. Mm -hmm. Well, one last question. So after you did all this research about schools and you know, after we talked about all these unfairness and all these problems, why did you settle on rice? Why rice? Wow. So that was that. I should, I can just pull up my why rice essay to read. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I don't like individualism. I may be a very individualistic person, but I don't like it. I don't like it when people are in a hyper-competitive environment. I don't like it when I have to fight other people to get to the top. I don't think that's how society should work. It may be how society does work, but I don't think that's how society should work. Mm. So I very I was trying to pick an institute. I want I want I'm very much inclined in the research direction. So I wanted to go to research university. Um so that already narrowed down to quite a few. I'm that means I'm not going to a liberal arts school already <laughs> yeah um, or like in yeah more humanities humanities oriented place um i picked rice because it obviously i don't need to talk about how academically like inclined it is 
uh, and how like but i don't want to go to a place where i gotta like fight my classmates to get to the top which is a lot of other universes mm -hmm. and then i like the diversity of rights you know it's i don't like going i don't like it when people all agree with me you know i don't think that's i don't find that stimulating it's not thought provoking so yeah place of diversity both in terms of culture in terms of thought um in a place that even though there's competition it's not meant to be kill me kill you you kill me but rather that we work together mm -hmm. to make ourselves better which i think is what rice is like and from what i've experienced even before going on campus definitely feels like that mm -hmm. so not just a, a very competitive not com a very uh at school that will provide you with a great education and uh, a really good school but at the same time it's not to a point where all the students are competing with each other and but instead they work with each other but they challenge each other at the same time right it's like a school it's a school that um gives you a good education and then gives you good values and then mm -hmm. more importantly surrounds you with good people mm -hmm. I like that because you don't because I feel like you don't want to surround yourself with yes men. You want people who who will challenge you when you when you are wrong and will, who will tell you what is right and you can also challenge them back. That's just there's yeah, nothing to it. That challenging is not meant to like break you down. That challenging mm -hmm. is meant is is done in a method in which trying to like get to the point. Yeah, because after all, we're we're just higher purpose. Yeah, we're just high school students that are about to go into the, U the university. We mm -hmm. are, our like point of view are just so limited still. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of the reasons why because I I chose you on this podcast too because you're you're like a, you're just a recent high school graduate, but your perspective and the amount of experience you have and your willingness to take a stance on topics that are very controversial but are very important at the same time is so strong, and. At, do you think that your experience in debating really contributed to that? Like, yeah, it forced me, obviously, it forced me to do a lot of research for topics. And then it came a time where, like, debate is not just game. Like, this research I'm doing is not just theory, but it's also, like, practical lives that people are living, which is why I always recommend people to do debate. And then debate also forces you to, like, those things that are complicated, you're forced to sit through them and make a decision. Mm -hmm. um, you're supposed to like obviously it is pure theory you know in terms of like i haven't experienced any of this stuff this is just stuff i read about which is why i have been wrong and i am wrong and i will be wrong on a lot of things mm -hmm. but you know in the words of t.s Eliot, i believe <laughs> try not like i don't want to become a hollow man which is just somebody that does not store it does not have vigor for anything it just wants to coast Mm -hmm. And another thing I admire about you is you once told me, like, we're in deep and you once told me how, like, see, I was asking you stuff, like, stuff about college missions and all that. And you told me how, I was like, a lot of people are very guarded, you know, they don't want to share anything about their own college experience or share about their point of views or their beliefs because they, they don't want to uh, share something that they work for or is valuable to them. Or at the same time, they don't want to be judged by what they say. And then you told, and I was like, why aren't you like that? And you were like, like I think you mentioned in your uh, essay, you're like, I don't believe in individualism. I believe in working together. And like, no matter if you may be my competition or that, but I feel like sharing is sharing and sharing the resources that we have is 
It's how we can become better together. And that was like, that was when I, you know, my respect for you and my appreciation for you was like skyrocketing. Thank you. That was, that was very flattering. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's important for, humility is important. Sometimes people just deserve it more than you. And in those cases, I believe you give it to them if they deserve it more than you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Bryce definitely saw that in you. Hopefully. We'll see. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe in half a year, I'll be really miserable. Or maybe in half a year, half a year, I'll have the greatest time of my life. We will you, see. You'll have, probably have your greatest time in life. COVID's down. You can go on campus. Texas we will is, see. Texas is an amazing place. And hopefully I'll be able to go visit you sometime soon. <laughs> Yeehaw. Well, that's wrapped. It's up. Thank you so much. And one last thing. If listeners want to reach out to you, um, how can they reach out to you? They probably shouldn't reach out to me. <laughs> I'll be honest. You don't want to give your social media handle or your no, 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 no. The beauty not. about being Eric Chang is that there is a billion of me. Well, I guess you can still learn a lot from him through this episode. So, well, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Have fun. Really be humble. You. Don't do horrible things. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you guys found it interesting. I would love to hear some of your feedbacks as well. As we move forward, I'll be having conversations with more of my friends and interviewing more established guests. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and have a wonderful rest of your day.